1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. For some people, the black bear is intriguing. For others, it is a lifelong hunting goal. On this episode, we're going to talk about how to hunt black bears from the very beginning, where they live, what they do, how to find them, what kind of strategies to use in order to help you get into the woods. Hey, welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanitas, and today, after much ado and many requests, we are talking about bear hunting, black bears in particular. And I've got with me today a very special guest, Jeff Lund. Now, Jeff comes to us from Alaska, calling in right now on a massive time difference through a storm. And Jeff is a native of Alaska. He's lived in Alaska. He's hunted in Alaska his entire life. And he brings a realistic view of hunting from Alaska. In fact, his podcast is called The Mediocre Alaskan because he comes at it from the perspective of this is the real thing. It's not always shiny. It's not always fancy. You don't always come back with some amazing thing. It's the real world, real life, real hunting. And I thought, you know, that is exactly the kind of message that is great for new hunters because, you know, you want to be realistic, right? You want to have something that you can go on that's based in reality, that's not just from a hunting TV show where, you know, everybody brings home an animal every single time. So Jeff, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for joining today. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. That's, uh, that's a great introduction there. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your show, and I hear you've got a book that's just recently come out. Yeah. Um, well, my name is Jeff Lund, as you said there. I grew up on Prince of Wales Island, which is in Southeast Alaska. I went to college outside of Alaska because uh, probably the expected reasons i wanted some nice warm climate i wanted uh, less rain i wanted warmer temperatures so i went to the university of arizona got a degree in journalism and uh taught in california for a little bit high school english and moved back to ketchikan in 2013 um i live here now teach at the high school i write a column for the juno empire um do a lot of outdoor stuff of course which you have to do because you don't you don't live in alaska for the indoor life <laughs> and um, my podcast, The Mediocre Alaskan, uh, I started that just because I wanted to give people a realistic view of, of what it is to live here year round. There's a multi-million dollar industry of people coming up to Alaska and having shows or writing articles about their fishing trip or their hunting trip. And those are awesome. I love watching that content. But 
uh, what was missing from there is just, you know, what is it like to live year round? You know, what is, what is January like? What are, you know, when it's October here and we're getting 30 inches of rain, what is that like? So I wanted to provide that for, for listeners. And in uh, April, my book, A Miserable Paradise, Life in Southeast Alaska came out. And it's been uh, it was a lot of fun writing about a year from January through the entire year with about 5,000 or so words per month and just kind of get a month to month view. And I happen to start the project in 2020. So <laughs> once March comes around, it ends up being a little bit about teaching during COVID. But uh, the vast majority of that is hunting and fishing and, and kind of what I'm doing and what my buddies are doing. And then also some kind of reflective uh, stuff. I've always been kind of a reflective person because the people that I read was, you know, Bill Heavey and Patrick McManus and those guys, which is why I've taken more of a, of a learning, always practitioner, not an expert, which is the name, uh, mediocre Alaskan comes into play. So I don't think that I, I feel like I'm competent. I feel like I could do the things I need to do. I feel that I can, I can have success, but I'm not going to take myself too seriously. Right. I love that. Just, you know, coming at it from the realistic point of view. This is the real life. This is the real world. This is what's really happening here. And, uh, you know, and then you get a, a little window into how Alaska sort of weathered the the eye of the storm, as it were, so to speak, of 2020. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, it was um, it was a crazy year. It was a crazy year, but a great story to, to be told. And I was pretty excited to, to put that book up there and been nice to see uh, where people have been ordering it from and, and the feedback's been good. Yeah, that's awesome. So coming at it from black bears today, which is a, a really amazing game animal to, to go after, amazing creature that's out there. And I should I should just put the caveat out there for everybody that's listening. You know, I, we're going to come at this today from the perspective of probably most people thinking about or going out after black bears for the first time is not the first thing they've ever hunted. They've probably hunted deer or turkey or something else first, you know, maybe varmints and then, you know, got the the bug for black bear hunting and, and thinking about going out for that. Of course, there could be some people that, you know, that's all they're interested in. They're coming in cold going after that. Uh, and this will still be helpful for you too, but we're coming from the perspective as you probably hunted other things and I've got 170 some episodes about, you know, the sort of the basics of hunting and different kinds of game you guys can can go into if you're brand new to the sport. So we're going to jump into this, you know, from, a, you know, at least I've gone deer hunting once or twice kind of perspective. Otherwise, there's no way we could lay all that groundwork again. And and that's been done and that's totally available on the website, newhuntersguide.com and anywhere you can find the podcast. So number one question I've got for you today, Jeff, to jump out is, why hunt black bears? What about it is that draws people? What where's what's the the excitement factor or, or the the intrigue in that game animal? I think the biggest thing, like the first thing that I hear when I think what's the draw is that there's that conflicted response as hunters because if we say that it's fun or that it's exciting or things like that, you know, we ultimately think of the person who's going to say, "Oh, it's fun to be a murderer of animals." You're like, "Oh my gosh." But it is really <laughs> such a, it's a visceral experience that the contemporary society is lacking of, you know, we live so much of our lives inside and we live so much of our lives online and, and through other things. We don't have those real things to, to kind of bring us home and anchor us and know how the real things work, you know, like getting your own food is such a massive thing and, and it, it provides you with purpose. So 
Um, I think, you know, COVID really brought that out. And when people were unable to go outside, just a simple walk, things like that. So, you know, we, we've seen that appreciation for it. So if you take that to the farthest level, which is not just a walk in the park, it's going outside to get your own meat. Um, that's such a huge experience in itself. And so when you're outside and you're looking at different game species, you kind of look at what's available at, at that time. And the black bear season in Southeast Alaska here um, is a substantial part of the year. And so you have a long time that you can uh, hunt these animals and it's kind of the first game animal in the spring, unless you're up further North and you can hunt caribou. I've done that, which is a lot of fun, but it was negative 30. So that's, that wasn't great. But, um, so black bear season opens pretty much as soon as the bears start coming out of hibernation. And so, you know, your, your April and May's are, are, are spent out glassing on these, um, right. These tidal flats as the first green of spring is starting to come up. And so you're celebrating spring and you're looking for these, uh, pretty good tasting bears that, um, that are coming out and it's just a great experience. Again, you're out and you're bear watching, you know, and if you do want to end up pulling the trigger or, or knocking an arrow and, and, and taking a bear that way, then it's just such a great experience. And then you have a good amount of meat during that time of the year because deer season doesn't open until August. And then summer is really your fish, uh, fishing time. So bears, the first kind of game animal of the year here in Southeast Alaska. That's one of the main draws, you know, for people who want to get that first bear, first bear. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like your spring bear season is a lot like my spring turkey season. Just that that thing that pulls you outside and, and gets you out after winter's over and you get to see a little sunshine and some greenery. And then we do most of our bear hunting, well, at least in Pennsylvania, would be like October, November time. But man, I just love the idea of being able to go out in the spring. And I know there's numerous states that have a spring season which is outstanding if you're able to, to get out in one of those times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the season here in Southeast um, where I'm at, the season runs from September 1st until June 30th. So it actually starts in one year and goes to the next one. So if you get a tag, it's going to be good from September 1st and go into 2020 uh, to the end of June. So you really have so much time to do that, but it is great to see that first thing and you don't have to wait till summer. You know, you can start scouting, you can start looking around and you can really be excited for spring and be looking for that uh, pretty early. Yeah, that's awesome. So what kind of places do black bears live? What's their preferred habitat from what you've seen and experienced and, and think about it in terms of, you know, what's maybe the most transferable uh, across states and different regions? I think the first thing to look at if you're, if you're looking at hunting is looking at accessibility um, to the bears and how your schedule is going to match up with theirs because Southeast Alaska and Alaska in general has such a liberal season. You can almost pick your month and it's not going to really matter when you go, you can go in fall, you can go in spring. So particular to Southeast Alaska right now is a good time. You could come up and you could hunt bear. Um, the habitat is pretty wide open. Uh, this is kind of the best time of year to hunt bear um, you can go to the Alpine still because there's a lot of berries up top. And so you hike a mountain and you're able to see clear of all the trees. You get above the tree line and you're looking around at these bears that are just mowing down all these berries. And so, you know what that's going to do to the meat. You're going to have a much sweeter, uh, blueberry infused meat, which is awesome, uh, just in itself. But if you do want to, to make summer sausage or things like that, which is my preferred method with it, 
um, that's going to be good meat. You can also uh, go to the rivers, creeks, anything that has fish in it, and you're going to look at that as prime habitat. There's going to be tons of bears. It doesn't even matter what time of day. There's going to be a bear that's going to be out there. Some of the bigger boars will be out uh, early in the morning and then and then later in the day, but they just gorge themselves on the easily accessible fish. And a lot of times that's that's some of the dead ones. Yeah, you see those pictures of uh, up north in Katmai and you got the brown bears that are just waiting on, uh, on these falls for the fish to jump up and they're eating fresh sockeye, whereas a lot of the, the black bears are more scavengers. So if you go to some of these rivers and they're just lapping up rotting fish, that's not going to taste as good, but you're going to have some awesome coats. And um, really this time of year, it's, it's up high in the mountains or down low in the rivers. It can, it's pretty easy to find some black bear. In the spring, if you plan a spring hunt, you're going to want to go to um, tidal flats that have not a, uh, not a pretty sharp drop. It's one of those um, shallow bays and inlets that have a lot of um, grass flats or that have mussel beds or rocks, places like that. You'll see bears that come out uh, morning or uh, in the evening, and they'll be flipping over rocks, eating crabs. Uh, they'll be eating uh, blue mussels. They'll be eating the grasses on the beach because that's kind of the first stuff that comes up. Um, some of the lowland areas that are near the ocean, you'll find uh, skunk cabbage areas. It's kind of a mar marshy, boggy type plant, and it shoots up. And it looks like a massive head of, I guess, kind of like lettuce or like a cabbage or something like that. But these things, the leaves can be like three or four feet big, and uh, they'll dig out the roots. And they'll be eating those. So uh, this time of year, fall. Alpine blueberry bears. Um, also, you can go to the rivers and you can find them there. Uh, definitely eating the salmon. That's kind of your quintessential, your bear location. And then spring, it's uh, glass, uh, grass flats where the st first stuff is growing and they can get access to other food that uh, is on the beach when the, when the tide gets low. Nice. So whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. 
when you've got and you're going out for bear hunting you're trying to figure out okay what time of day what kind of weather conditions what sort of environmental factors what do you think plays into the, the best chance of seeing a bear um overcast days are pretty good and then september is really a nice month because things are cooling down that this whole month has been pretty miserable as far as weather goes it's been uh, raining in the mid 50s so bears are kind of out but it's it's harder to, to glass them up and see them if you're going up top which is where i want to go um because i want one of those bears that's been eating berries rather than something that's been eating rotten salmon so right. if the weather is better uh, and you have a high ceiling you have you have clouds you can go up there and you can see them all day a buddy and i was up were up on a mountain a couple of years ago and we saw six or seven bears throughout the day and just kind of looking at them and it was just a nice calm day well, it wasn't sunny but it was had that high cloud and they were just out and they were feeding it was just so much fun to just watch them with the spotting scope and just you know like we were hunting but it was like a very passive hunt then he tried to make a move with his bow and and one spooked and so he hiked back up there was like a little bowl that we could glass down into and it was just so much fun to just be out there and uh, that was kind of the the prime day um but they have a much more sense of urgency because they're trying to pack on as many pounds as possible before they hibernate so um, there's really not ma a magical hour it's pretty much all day morning and evening tend to be a little bit more um prevalent or, or, or better, uh, especially in areas that might have people that are coming to watch them or, or whatnot. But yeah, you can, you can go to a river and you could probably find a bear that's, that's, that's out there. Um, and then same thing up in the Alpine. So this time of year, they're just trying to pack on the pounds. They don't care quite as much and it's not super hot. So, um, it's all pretty good. So you're looking for food sources, trying to find, you know, where they come in to eat and you think they're a little less skittish maybe then, cause they're just looking for food full time. Yeah, I think by that point, the point they've, they've they're pretty used to the traffic that might be around there. And then if you have scouted out berry patches, things like that, um, and it is, it's definitely nicer to kind of have an idea of what the river looks like and what the like the berry patches look like too. Because if you're just walking around trying to be quiet, stalking a bear or trying to you know just jump one, you know you can come around a corner and all of a sudden you know if it's a big boar they might just take off or look at you. But if it's a sound and you know, cubs, that's not, that's not, a, that's not ideal. So, uh, if you kind of scout out the area, know that the river turns back, you know, does a, does a 45 degree or a 90 degree turn, you're going to want to be aware that, you know, right directly behind you in those bushes could be a bear that's, that's feeding on the opposite shore. So scouting out what the river looks like when it turns. So you're not going to be surprising a bear coming around being quiet is, is definitely ideal. Um, and then same thing with the Alpine. If you're, you're looking where the berry bushes are, um, you know, if you can get a, a high advantage and be looking down, that's ideal. Cause you can kind of look at where you're going to make a stock or how you're going to get to a spot. That's a, that's a shooting spot. You can see where the bear is. You can see where it's eating. Uh, that's going to definitely make things a lot easier and a lot safer. Um, black bear hunting is a lot, lot safer than if you're doing a brown bear or grizzly bear hunt. Uh, but still, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to surprise any of those things, A, for the hunting purpose and B, you know, for self-preservation. Sure, sure. And I've, I've been out, you know, high in the ridges, high in the mountains, doing some spring turkey hunting, walking along the trail or into an open area. And then you see just massive bear footprint 
you know, right there, bigger than my hand sometimes, and makes me sit there wonder, should I really be sitting on the ground next to a tree making turkey noises? Is yeah. That, is that really safe? Is that something that's, you know, for, from your perspective, what's the real risk factor uh, to the hunter and, and when you're when you're out black bear hunting? Um, well, where I live on on Revilla Gigado Island, there's there's no brown bears. So, you know, and again, I've I've been in been in Southeast Alaska for pretty much my entire life. So I've been around black bears a whole lot and I've had, you know, bears on the same log as me, but you just look at them and you can just sense that they're not there for you. They're not there for, they're going to do their own thing and you can, you know, fish the same hole together. Um, I've had aggressive bears try to run me off. Um, so you just kind of get used to what the temperament is and that's not, you know, a level of arrogance or anything like that. I don't want to sound like, uh, Timothy Treadwell, who was eaten by brown bears, but with black bears, there's, you don't want to be totally comfortable, but you kind of get an idea of, of what their attitude is. Um, so it is dangerous. You always have to know there's, there's a level of respect that the animals should have. And so you're walking around and if you've scouted the air, it's going to be better and just kind of know when it's time to, to dive into some bushes or when to kind of stay clear and look around first and maybe, maybe not go to a certain choke point or something like that. And just, uh, just be cautious, be aware that, you know, the first thing you want to do whenever you're doing a, a hunt is to come back safe. And then, you know, obviously the second thing would be to, to take home a, a bear, but, um, yeah, just be aware, just know that you know, what your main, what your main goal in life is self-preservation. And then, um, just keep that in mind at all times, not to be scared. Of course you don't want to be scared, but, um, you know, just be aware, alert. Yeah. That sounds great. So what would be some of the primary hunting strategies? You know, we talked a little bit about scouting, how to find where they're going to be, how to glass them. But, you know, say you're really going to try to to hunt these things, whether you're using a, a bow or a rifle, what would be some of the main strategies that you'd use in, in different kinds of areas to to actually, you know, get in there and try to take one home? So if, if you're paying the money to come up here during a fall hunt, there are two basic things. Um, if you have an opportunity to get into the mountains and look, if you want a, a bear, there, there are requirements uh, during certain times of the year that you take the meat and or the hide. Um, in the fall, it's either or. But uh, if you are going to take a nice hide and you are going in the mountains to get one, it's going to be a tougher pack out. You might as well take some of the meat too. Um, so if I'm going on, a, on an alpine hunt, which is my desired method this time of year, I'm looking at getting a vantage point that I can look down at the edge of the timber. Uh, I'm looking down at berry bushes. I'm looking down at ways that I can maneuver. I can check the wind and I can uh, uh, look for these spots. Um, they're usually near a water source, um, in some shade. Um, and there's just a huge, just, just those berry patches are, are quite large and, and quite obvious. So I'm looking for, uh, for that Alpine stuff, even the, the bushes, um, they can be look a little bit stunted or you can have low bush, uh, blueberries and huckleberries. And so they can just scoop it up on the bottom. So if, if I'm looking Alpine, bear in the fall i'm looking tree line looking at a good glassing spot spot where i can make a good stock and a lot of these are, are accessible at the end of just hiking trails which is nice um it's also important to take in mind that if 
or consider if you're archery hunting and you're near a trail that if you wound an animal, um, you know, there's a wounded animal near a trail where people that are unexpected uh, might be, you know, in trouble. So just keep that in mind too. You go to the end of a hiking trail uh, and you wound an animal, that's, that's not going to be good for people. So you can right. take one of those trails to get to the Alpine. There's no shortage of those around here. Uh, but then maybe get off that a little bit because, um, you know, you're not going to put on unpe- uh, people uh, in any sort of danger. So um, that's kind of the Alpine game. Rifle makes it a lot easier. It's the exact same thing. You're just looking at a spot where you can see a bear come out from the timber um, to go out and feed in the berry bushes and then just maneuver your spot uh, to where you can get a good shot. And uh, recovery is obviously important too. If uh, he's pretty close to some of the, um, timber, it gets very, very steep in some of these areas. And so if it does end up running in there, um, it can fall a long way, but, uh, if you do make a good shot, they tend to find some sort of hole or somewhere to kind of get protection because they're ultimately going for that. So when you do end up making a shot, if you're archery, give it a little bit of time. If it's, if it's uh, rifle, then you can still give it a little bit of time based on, on where you, where you shot it. Um, but then you're looking for, for tracking it. Um, because the, the, there's so much fat, especially the fall, and then their hair is so thick, your blood trail is going to be reduced significantly as you start to track it. Because uh, it, it could look like it's bleeding profusely. And then all of a sudden you go from, you know, huge uh, drops of blood to a couple drops to almost nothing. It's, it's going to be very, very odd and strange. But that because everything is just kind of, it's plugged the wound and all the bleeding is now internal. Um, so it can be difficult and right. frustrating. So if you make a mark, uh, either with uh, trail tape on a branch or mark it on your phone, where exactly you're at, and just do some circles around looking for that, but look for holes, look for areas that would kind of burrow in for safety. Um, that tends to be where they are. Um, so like you can kind of walk around some spots, but like, do where the heck is this thing? But, um, little areas, they'll just try to, to burrow into some areas and look for those holes. Uh, but sometimes it's good to maybe back out if, if it isn't there it's not obvious it's not dead then maybe back out a little bit give a little bit more time because uh, if you do push an animal that's been wounded it's going to have more adrenaline and in the case of of a deer you know it might just keep running but in the case of a bear you know a wounded animal uh bear attacking you you know it's not unheard of it's very very infrequent but just be careful if you are walking up on an animal that uh, might not have had enough time to to expire um in the by the rivers is about the same thing. Uh, you don't have to, you're not going to be able to get the same sort of eagle eye view when you're, when you're glassing. So you wouldn't need like a spotting scope or binoculars necessarily. But, uh, if you look by the river and you look for, for fish that have been taken out of the river and they have their head missing, um, bears really like the head. There's a lot of calories in there. They'll also rip open the stomachs and they'll eat the, uh, um, the eggs, um, or the, the, the milk of, um, uh, of fish. So you'll see just wasted carcasses. That's an indicator that the bears are going to be around. And um, so if you look at a concentration of those things, you can kind of see like it's a dead fish, but it's, you know, fresher than others. So that's the spot you probably want to set up on. And then you can pace back whatever is a comfortable shot for you uh, with a bow or with a rifle Uh, considerations there, same sort of thing. You know, if you do make a shot um, it's going to take off and it's going to find the most, like whole tight protected area to kind of burrow into. Um, so you're looking at 
you know, root wads, really thick bushes, things like that is, is where they're probably going to try to end up. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of fun to watch them, you know, but, uh, you know, also fun to, to hunt them. And then and when it all comes together, it's pretty great. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, so in Pennsylvania, most of the people that I know who go bear hunting they climb up in their deer stand and they sit there and they hope that a bear comes by. And uh, that's that's pretty much how, not everyone, of course, but most of the people I personally know, that's how they're hunting bears. Of course, they rarely come home with a bear. And uh, that's got to be, in my mind, just absolutely mind-numbing. What you're describing sounds a lot more active and a lot more fun, though. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty fun and pretty exciting. The, uh, the territory up here is so thick that you don't really have the opportunity, especially at the river level, to be able to just elevate and be able to see everything. So you're really at that ground level. And so um, it's, it can be a little bit uh, different when you're setting up on one side. And all of a sudden, you know, a couple of years ago, I was, I was at this little creek and um, there were some, some berry bushes off to the side and I just stepped back into the woods to, to relieve myself and a bear just comes walking up six yards and just kind of stands there. And I'm not ready to make any sort of shot with my bow because, you know, I'm literally caught with my pants down and, oh, uh, man. and it, I just, I just talked very calmly to it because if it wasn't going to happen, it's not going to happen. And so I said, it's okay. You can go. It's okay. You can go. And so it knew something was up, but it didn't feel threatened. So it was just kind of get scared off. It wasn't a, I'm panicked because there's a threat right next to me. So, but it was, it was just crazy. You know, it's just not when you're expecting. So that's when you're at that ground level and you think nothing's around, it's just super casual. And those things for, for how big they are, it's amazing how quietly they can, they can maneuver. So, um, Definitely makes it a, a, a more active type hunt, um, but uh, it's just so thick. They could be, uh, they're not everywhere, but they could be anywhere. Right. And a lot of people who've hunted deer or, you know, varmints especially, you know, they understand how important it is to play the wind. When you're bear hunting, how much of that comes into play? Black bear have excellent noses, terrible sight, and decent hearing. So they will wind you and you'll just kind of see them stop what they're doing and kind of look up and then assess whether or not there's a threat or not. But there are times when I've been on the grass flats and we're not really actively hunting, but maybe we're just kind of deciding what we want to do. We're kind of watching it and just kind of seeing 
that the wind just barely swirls and there's so many other smells around you know it just kind of lifts its head up and kind of looks around and then maybe it'll just kind of casually feed into the woods um maybe it'll kind of run off but you're just like man that thing picked me up and i didn't even sense that the wind changed at all so their noses are are great for as bad as their sight is uh their their noses are great um that bear that uh kind of snuck up on me accidentally it was the wind happened to be in the right direction and i was standing right there but it just didn't it couldn't decipher what was going on didn't really care and i think when they're putting packing the pounds down they're a little less um susceptible to be detoured or maybe a little bit less uh um, aware but uh they'll, they'll definitely take off if uh if they wind you um but again, in, if, if you are near an area where there's, there's hikers or people who are taking photos, there's an element of, um, you know, they're, they're kind of used to people. So they might be used to that, that smell and not be used to that being a threat. But again, hunting an area where, you know, there are hikers, that might be a good idea to, to get further past that just in case something goes wrong and you're not putting a wounded animal in, in people's way. Sure, sure. So of all these different strategies and approaches for black bear, how much of that would you say is transferable to brown bear hunting? I've only done limited brown bear, but uh, it's the same sort of thing. You just, at least in Southeast, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of scary. So um, I, I got my, my first brown bear this last spring and in Southeast Alaska, it's, it's 1700 islands. And so what you're looking at for a lot of these is that you can, can't get on the road system we can talk about like if i'm going to alaska here's what i need to do in a little bit um but you're taking a boat into these inlets and you're hoping that something doesn't get wind of you so i was with a buddy and, and his and his girlfriend and we, we just took his boat into an inlet and by the time we could anchor and take the little boat to shore a huge brown bear had taken off it had winded us the wind was at our backs so there was no chance so we went to another inlet same thing happened went to another inlet and for some reason the bear was a little bit more tolerant of a little bit of a gust and so we were able to get off to the side and get out of sight and then uh, make a move on the bear but then when you're in brown bear country and you're making a stock on a brown bear you know you're being as quiet as possible in brown bear country so you know that was in the back of our minds that's such a different game like black bear is black bear still dangerous but it's just a whole different story with brown bear so i was i was pretty nervous when we were hiking through there but uh um, it was the same sort of deal you're looking for um it was spring so you're looking for uh, grass shoots that are coming up you're looking for bears that are on the beaches that are looking for for mussels crabs things like that they're flipping over rocks and they're flipping over huge huge rocks with just like one um, flick of the paw there. It's, it's pretty impressive and, and pretty almost terrifying. Uh, but that program is, is much the same. And then, uh, same thing, salmon in, in the, in the fall. So, uh, you definitely want to be much, much, much more aware of where you are at, especially later in the season, because brown bears will get a lot more, um, feisty, a little more irritated because, uh, as the clock is winding down on when they have to be ready for, uh, hibernation that's definitely going to play into things uh, the book the grizzly maze by nick jans kind of illustrates that where a guy had spent 10 summers with grizzly bears and kind of lived with them there's a i, I think it was called 
the grizzly maze there was a documentary that was done on on this guy uh, timothy treadwell um so he lived with them coexisted and we're like man it's crazy um but it wasn't it was the year that he stayed until october it was the year that he'd stayed later than he ever had and that was when the bears get a little bit more honoring and less tolerant of things that are not kind of what they want and so they he ended up getting uh, uh eaten as well as his girlfriend um so there's always that possibility with brown bear. And so you really got to acknowledge that. And you've got to acknowledge that if you're hunting them sooner to when they're going to hibernate, uh, that's going to be an issue. Uh, you're also required to have a guide for brown bear. So that kind of takes that out of the equation that uh, the guide should kind of know what you need to do. Uh, you don't need a, a guide for black bear unless you have uh, a non-resident uh, on Prince of Wales Island, which is which is famous for its big black bears. It's uh, it's the DL027 um, tag or the DL028 tag, which you have to draw for that. Um, or yeah, sorry, you can use a guide um, on a harvest ticket. But uh, so I kind of screwed that up there a little bit. But you you can use a guide, and if you have a guide, it's going to make things a lot easier. But the program is pretty much the same um, for uh, for for bear here in, in Southeast Alaska for brown or, or for black. So black bear, relatively safe, uh, relatively safe operation, need to use caution. Brown bear, you know, they could be just as apt to be hunting you as you them. Yeah. Depending on the time of year. And I mean, there are people who will say you don't have to worry anything about them. You know, if I grew up on Prince of Wales, we didn't have brown bears. And here on Revilla, we don't have brown bears either. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty nervous around brown bears because I haven't been that been around them enough to kind of be you know i don't know guy i don't know if you gain comfort around them but uh some of my buddies in the interior who've been on moose hunts and have had brown bears around and have to worry about making sure that you know you take care of the moose and you you never leave the moose because as soon as you leave the carcass a bear could come and claim it and if the bear has claimed the carcass then you're going to be in trouble because you are then going back to the carcass to clean it up, but the bear has claimed it. So then you're, you run into some, some problems there. So um, I have a bunch of buddies who you know, are very diligent about those sort of things, very aware of, of brown bear and grizzly bear and able to, to kind of function in that. Whereas I have a lot less experience around them. So I give them maybe even more respect than they deserve if that's possible. Just, uh, you know, cause I like living. It's fun. <laughs> I'm with you there coming home after the hunts, the best part in my book so anything else so we're going to do a part two guys also by the way if you're listening we we got through about maybe half of the stuff on this episode we're going to do a follow-up episode here as well dig into to more of the the gear and how to get started and you know shop placement dressing those kind of things but on the stuff we're talking about here jeff with strategy and habitat and habits and those kind of things anything else on your mind that 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 you know comes up that you want to try to squeeze in and make sure we cover i think the biggest thing is to plan when you can make it and that then dictates everything else and then you know if you're coming to southeast alaska you know is fall better is spring better uh fall is going to have a longer season just because things start in you know august or starts on in september 1st and then it's going to be pretty predictable for September and October. Whereas spring can kind of be delayed if we have a lot of snow and if it stays a little bit colder, um, you know, things might not really get cooking until April, May. Um, also if you June 1st is the, uh, cutoff for having to save the meat. So if you're looking to come up here and just take home, 
uh, a, bl a blanket or rug, then that would be after June if you want to leave the meat. Uh, but if you come up in May, you're required to take the uh, the hide and the uh, and the meat. So um, when you're planning that, just be aware of what the regulations are, and that's the same with anywhere. You know, when when is the season? Uh, what are the regulations? And then uh, let that kind of dictate your your decision first, and then from that point, then you can look at uh, at gear, stocks, equipment, DIY, all those other things that we'll probably cover in the next episode. All right. Awesome. Well, sounds good. Really appreciate it, Jeff. Guys, make sure you check out his podcast, The Mediocre Alaskan. Real stuff coming out of Alaska. The the, the reality of life, hunting, fishing. Got to check it out. Check out his book. You can go to TheMediocreAlaskan.com. Check out the book, um, A Miserable Paradise. You can find Jeff's writing. You can find his podcast. You can find everything there on his hub. So really appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. I'll put links there to all of Jeff's stuff so you guys can click through and find it easily. And also make sure you go ahead to iTunes, leave a review. Really appreciate it. It's the number one way to help grow the channel and get more, uh, get more people engaged and, and reach more people through search and the algorithm. So till next time, God bless you guys and go get them in the woods. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv on mondays head offshore with captain scott walker and steve roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures coming to me coming to me coming to me double he's jumping he's jumping he's jumping oh oh Look at that don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m eastern tell a few fish stories along the way on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment